the blast from our past network. Conrad? Conrad! Hello, Newman. This is so f***ing good! Nothing for you! These pretzels are making me thirsty! Not that there's anything wrong with that. Serenity now! He's a re-gifter! Well, let's start the insanity. Mm, giddy up. <laughs> Welcome to Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are two superfans giving you every single episode of Seinfeld back to back to back because we love Seinfeld and you love Seinfeld. Man, Seinfeld's the best, isn't it? It is. It's almost as good as a marble rye. <laughs> I'm Adam. I'm Corey. And today we are talking season seven, episode 11. And we are talking The Rye. It first aired on January 4th, 1996, and this is on our free feed. So if you are listening to this episode and not subscribed to our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Cartwright, you want to get on to our $1 a month level for every single episode. Besides that, you're just going to be hearing every other episode and not have access to all of our back catalog in case you missed any of the previous seasons. So sign up for $1, and you guys are going to get the best in Seinfeld recaps. Haha, <laughs> you are correct. All right, Corey, my man, <laughs> give us that synopsis. <laughs> of course, the rye. Although I'm, I gotta say, it always bugs me that this episode's not called the marble rye. Yeah, uh, 100%. <laughs> George's parents bring a marble rye to dinner with Susan's parents, which they don't serve with the meal. Frank takes it with him leaving George and Jerry the task of sneaking a loaf back into the Ross's apartment. Kramer uses his handsome cab to help return the bread. Now, I do take umbrage with that as well, because it's not Kramer's handsome cab. Yeah. He doesn't really use it to return the bread. He uses it to distract people so others can return the bread. Yeah, and not even really return the bread. They're kind of put the bread in to fool them. That's, a, that's not a very good recap. No, no, it doesn't even mention beefarino. Come yeah. on. <laughs> Which is, uh, plays an integral part in this episode. Really and does. Uh, let's go into our scene breakdown to find out exactly how. And we start off without a stand-up. We, instead, we start off in a jazz club instead of a comedy club. I was a little thrown aback by this because I was, so, I was kind of back to being used to uh, the, the stand-ups that I was just like, whoa, what the fuck is this? And it, it also just kind of started off... I don't know, maybe just a little rushed. Um, and But we find out that Elaine is dating this saxophonist guy named John Germain. And she gets some internal monologue about like, oh, I'm, you know, I can't believe I'm dating this guy. You know, maybe he'll write a song about me. It just kind of goes on and on a little bit about that. Yeah, and I mean, the joke is like she's daydreaming and then the set is over. Everyone cheers and it kind of brings her back. So she wasn't even like paying attention uh, I'm with you although I was like at first I was like oh it's a club and it's kind of perfect you know because Jerry's doing his stand-up and everything but it just felt weird and maybe because it was there was a camera move you know we don't see a lot of those there was like a dolly shot over from you know John Germain to to Elaine and that just felt a little weird um, but real quick uh, John Germain is played by Jeff Yeager uh, who it doesn't, he's got an interesting fucking career. Everything everything from Aeon Flux, the live action 
movie in 2005, but something I better know but know him as, he was Kyle in the V TV series from the oh, yeah. 80s. And that was a show that I loved back in the day. Uh, I can vaguely remember his character, but I never put it together until right now that, that John Germain was also the guy from V. Yes. I mean, I, I never saw V. I think it was a little bit before your time. Yeah, yeah, it was like that mid-80s, but it definitely, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, at the apartment, Elaine tells Jerry about this guy. Um, I like how he kind of immediately says, oh, maybe he'll write a song about you. And she's like, ugh, that, like, that matters, which we know, yeah. haha, it does for her, because she just and, had a whole thing about it. Right, and we find out that uh, he is sponge-worthy, so there's an immediate callback to that. Yep, got to appreciate that callback. Yep. Uh, but he's apparently, you know, he's not very uninhibited and free like you would think a jazz musician should um he actually doesn't like to do everything he doesn't um reciprocate we'll say yes he he doesn't do a clockwise or a counterclockwise swirl there's no (laughs) swirling going on he needs to be talking to putty yeah he needs to get a knuckle in there (laughs) (laughs) but yeah he does not he doesn't do any of that uh, as, as we he also learn. needs to not try so hard later. <laughs> yeah, which we will absolutely see. Uh, Kramer comes in and needs to help. You know, needs help carrying some things up. He's got all these bulk items, you know, because it's Kramer. He's doing some some wacky each week, and you know, he, he basically went to like a Costco, bought a shit ton of stuff. It's too much for him, you know. It's all this shit. Uh, Kramer sees his friend Clyde, who is just happens to be a dude on the street who plays with John Germain. And I see you want to like it, it, this. This character makes no sense to me, other than I do appreciate his line where he's like, "I'm sorry, I can't. My hands are my life, or whatever." It is. <laughs> yeah, I wrote that down too. I'm gonna tell people that anytime they ask me to move, help them move something, I'm gonna say, "I'm sorry, baby. My hands are my life." And he just <laughs> he sold it, and I, you know, I was I was fine with that. Honestly, overall, I I enjoyed Jerry's reaction to all the different like bulk items that Kramer was buying, and you know, and Kramer has like an excuse for everything. Like Jerry pulls out this giant can of sun-kissed like tuna, and Kramer's like. Well, not every tuna makes the grade, you know, implying that I guess everything in this giant can is worth owning, even though he has no place to store it or keep any of it. Yeah, very true. (laughs) um, And Jerry kind of talks to this Clyde and just kind of says, oh, you know, John Germain, my friend Elaine's dating him. I heard they're uh, hot and heavy right now. And, you know, okay, that's the thing. Uh, (laughs) For now. At the uh, Costanzas. George, uh, God damn it, we're at the Costanzas. I love being at the Costanzas. Yeah, you got to say too. that. I almost feel like I'm home when I'm there, you, you know? know? absolutely. Now, how often does your mother make you zip up her dress? <laughs> Jesus, God. I mean, George, there's, I love how we saw George, you know, obviously in the first season, we know he's neurotic and crazy, and it took us years to get to his parents, but when we did see them, I mean, all the pieces just fit into place. And then moving forward, you just, you're like, I get it. I get why George is the way he is. And this is one of those things. Estelle asking him to just zip up her dress. And he's yeah. like, oh, God. Oh, God. And But he does it, you know? It is just the perfect casting. You know, uh, uh, props. Now, I know they missed, uh, the, you know, the Frank casting initially. Yeah. And then they got yeah. it right with Jerry Stiller. But, but Estelle. And Estelle. Estelle is fucking top notch. Like... Like George is really takes after Estelle with a lot of stuff I feel, but but even actually neither of them are 
as whimpering little bitches <laughs> that George can be at times, like they they are, but they do complain a lot. I think I just, think that's because his his dad. Remember, like you know, blow out the candles, you're killing him. You know, like it's just <laughs> it's just they've just they've beaten him down, and then the potential yeah. the the possibility that maybe uh, the older brother died. You know, yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that conspiracy theory that we don't really address anymore. You yeah. know. Yep, it's definitely a possible thing. Uh, so the Costanzas are going to meet the Rosses. There we go. The, the uh, couple's going to have dinner with their families and meet everybody together. Uh, Frank and Estelle, per usual, rock or argue about everything, yell at each other, just every little thing that they've got. And just, I'm happy about it every minute that they're yelling. Not of course, lie. I mean, yeah, it's like you got to get the marble rye. Why can't we just stop at this place? Now we got to go to this place. Ah, ah, ah. And exactly. then, but I mean, George is great because in this scene, George or Jason Alexander doesn't have much to do, but it's his reaction to everything Mm -hmm. that really is the punchline to all the bickering and is what makes it really fun. What makes it go from sad to funny (laughs) that these people Mm -hmm. would exist. You know what I mean? Yeah, it does just God, it really does make so much sense how he turned out the way he turned out. (laughs) does it's it's a perfect character study yeah but yes as you mentioned frank just he's got to get this marble rye from this specific bakery okay Mm -hmm. it's got to be this one all right at the apartment jerry tells elaine that uh, he mentioned you know she was all hot and heavy with john and now she's all upset you know because she's not trying to scare him away you know he's a little frightened puppy and (laughs) i love that little yeah the he's i'm trying to coach him in and you're over here making all these big motions and scaring him away yeah but it is kind of similar to stuff we've seen before in the show. It kind of immediately reminded me of, like, when George didn't want to tell. You don't tell the girl you like her. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing. Like, that was, like, way back in earlier seasons. Like, it's the same kind of stuff as played back. Jerry Elaine doesn't want him to know that, you know, you know that they're hot and heavy or thinks that they're hot and heavy or whatever. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I actually – so Myra – uh, watched a lot of this episode with me because she was doing stuff. She found this episode to be quite funny. Uh, she actually really enjoyed this episode. Uh, but I asked her a few things. I was like, is this a bad thing? You know, like what Jerry did? And she's like, oh, yeah, no, no, it is. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, you know, not like majorly bad, but you know what I mean? She, he was like, yeah, it can hurt the relationship. And, uh, you know, and and but I was like, okay. But she, she was like, but it is sort of Elaine's fault because Elaine shouldn't be confiding these things into her guy friends because mm-hmm. they just don't have the same mentality as like a girlfriend does. But we all know what happened with that earlier. So. Wow, Myra's sexist as shit. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, now here's here's my issue with it is if someone told me that we were getting hot and heavy, I immediately have a sexual like, oh, yeah, man, we're having a very yeah. passionate time together. Yeah. And that's a good thing. I don't immediately take hot and heavy as a, um, oh, this long term relationship be intimidating thing. I take it as a. Oh yeah, we are having a good time and it's usually yeah. sexually, you know, charged. Uh, yeah. charged exactly. And so those words hot and heavy, I think most guys think the same way I do and it wouldn't be a bad thing. Hey, spoiler alert, I think you and I probably would have had the same reaction as uh, Jermaine does uh, eventually about it, you know. Yeah, exactly. Boner yeah. city. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Except we'd be better at other things than he is. Yes, we would be <laughs> much better. All right. Uh, Kramer comes up carrying all this shit and he spills it everywhere. And then some random apartment dweller that we've never seen before, uh, you know, starts to help him out and ask him also to like watch some of his, his apartment for him. And says, Oh, Hey, you can watch, uh, you can, you can use my handsome cab 
while while I'm away. Okay, again, out of nowhere, but that's fine. Uh, yeah, no and of, of all the things, like like a horse is like a is like a whole new set of skills, right? Yeah. Where it's not like letting someone borrow a car. It's <laughs> I would do you do you know how to ride a horse or do some? I don't, you know. So it's like yeah, I felt I always felt this was a bit of a logic leap, but I'm just calling it out because we're just talking here. But mm-hmm. honestly, it doesn't really fucking yeah. bother me at all. You allow it because it's Kramer yeah, and he knows so much different wacky things. And, and like, if, if yeah. someone said, oh, Kramer knows how to ride a horse like this, I'd be like, you know what? You're probably fucking right. He probably does. Yeah. But now something that I just want to clear up for everybody out there. I always thought it was a handsome cab. Like, Corey, mm-hmm. you're looking very handsome today. That's, that's how I wrote it. That's how I wrote it. It is not handsome like an attractive-looking person. So, the handsome cab is a horse-drawn carriage designed and patented in 1834 by Joseph Hansom, H-A-N-S-O-M. So, it's so named it's the, after the guy who created it. And it's named after the specific cart that they're dry or they're riding on or whatever the hell it is right yeah, yeah i mean it's, it's pat- exactly it's a, patented yeah, it's a patented specific cart vehicle yeah. okay and then that's what all the handsome handsome no son? d ha- handsome no d no e okay cab okay interesting wow i mean no matter what we talk about this episode you literally just blew my mind of, of 43 years worth of information yeah. i always thought it was called a handsome cab yeah no it's a handsome named after joseph handsome and okay. of course uh, anyway kramer's down for it and he gives a nice little giddy up of course and, and the guy said he would split the the profits 50 50 could make yeah. 500 dollars a day 50 50 yeah yes do it kramer this is a smart oh, move on kramer's yeah. part now I'm sure the cost of maintaining the horse and all that kind of stuff is pretty expensive, but yeah. 500 bucks a day is good bank. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, and yes, the guy has to pay for the boarding and everything of yeah. the horse, and yeah, so of course he's not gonna let Kramer have the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, hey, Tim. Dean? Uh, This isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then... Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking Back. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion you're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a Surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. Hey, everybody. I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark a cast dedicated to late-night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. 
This is what you want. This is what you get. I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. And decide you hate us because we've made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal mm. is a joke. <laughs> At the dinner. Boy, it's fucking awkward. Uh, the Rosses are equally terrible as the Costanzas, but for different reasons, because they are just waspy asshole motherfuckers. Uh, the mom is a complete lush. Her and the dad do not seem to like each other, but it's not as comical as the Costanzas, but still, it's pretty bad. But what is comical is the confusion over Cornish game hens. <laughs> this, what is, famous, this famous diatribe by Frank Costanza. Yeah, what is it, like a little chicken? <laughs> and then a gr- the great, you know, you, who fucks who? You, yeah, know, yeah. you got the hen, the chicken, and the rooster. You know, the, the rooster has sex with the chicken. But who's having sex with the hen or whatever? It, it, <laughs> they're, they're all chickens. <laughs> the rooster's having sex with all. That's perverse. <laughs> and I will say Myra laughed out loud when he said, that's perverse. perverse yep. <laughs> and I got to say, I love that we see the same Rosses, you know, from earlier seasons. Yes. You know, it's the same actors. And I, as, as terrible as they are, I do love seeing them because I oh, think yeah. they're funny. I think they're fucking hilarious. They enhance an episode. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I love how they never are they, they yeah they never back down from george or like they always call him out on his shit they they love to call him out because they know he is not worthy of their daughter you, like you, honestly you literally took the words right out of my mouth he is not worthy no before george she was working as a high-end exec at fucking nbc like and now like i don't even know what she does but she's living with this guy he's yeah. fucking he's, he's a nobody yeah. he's a worthless prick yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I do, yeah, Susan. And his parents oh, don't Susan. even know what Merlot is. <laughs> All that kind of shit. But, um, but yeah. we do get a Firestorm reference. Yes, so. we do. Hey! I just got to that. Nice little Firestorm. One of those made-up movies. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Frank yells about it because he's like, I haven't even seen it. <laughs> like, he's like, and, then the, and then Mr. Ross is like, it's got nothing to do with the plot. And I love how immediately they're all just ready to attack each other. They're just like dogs, yep. you know? Oh, yes. they. This is not a family reunion I would no. like to go to. No. No. Um, we see Kramer using the handsome cab. We meet Rusty. There you Yay, go. Rusty. Yay, Rusty. Uh, <laughs> John Germain. John he plays a song entitled, this one's called Hot and Heavy. That's and a cool name for a song, by the it's way. It's a lie. damn good name for a song. But Elaine gets embarrassed about it. And I'm like, I think that's a pretty damn good sign right yeah, there. He wrote a song about you. Yeah. All right. On the drive back from dinner, the Costanzas complain about there being no cake. And I'm like, is that a thing? Do you have to serve cake at a dinner party? So on the, so on this episode, on the behind the scenes, they talk to Carol Leifer, uh, the writer of this episode, and she does talk about how growing up in like Queens as a as in a Jewish family in Queens, it was always understood that if you go to someone's house and have dinner, you're gonna have cake afterwards. Like that is a thing. But I'm with you. I didn't know that that was a thing until I watched the behind the scenes of this episode. 
Yeah. Just, it seems like a weird thing to um, pick apart and to like really uh, emphasize and be stuck on. But you know, yeah, if you're a Frankenstein, it literally can be anything and, and you're, you're up for it. And so it totally makes sense. Yeah, exactly. And, the only, and uh, I'll have a couple more information from this behind the scenes, but I do just want to say really quick that she pitched the idea that, that George bought by Susan's uh, engagement ring at Costco. They didn't use it, but they liked the idea of keeping like sort of like bulk, like something. There was, they knew there was something uh, there, and then here we are seeing the, the fruits of that, basically, with Kramer dealing with the, the Costco thing. Okay, very cool. Uh, and Carol has written actually multiple, a couple multiple episodes in the show. I couldn't, I couldn't remember. We hadn't mentioned her as a writer before. We don't usually break down the crew. No, um, you know, mm-hmm. in this show. So, all right. One of the other important things that Frank uh, kind of complains about is that they didn't set out their marbled rye. And so he took it back. He had it with them <laughs> at first, you know, George and Estelle thought, Oh, we forgot to set it. He's like, no, we set nah. it out. Nah. They didn't fucking serve it. <laughs> nah. <laughs> I knew it the whole time. Frank was like, no, nah, I know what happened. Yeah. I did it. And, but it also like, we're so used to George being the crazy one in the group. Yeah. He is the sane one this entire – well, this entire point right here in this yeah. car ride. He is the sane one, you know? Yes, and that is the fun thing because he is always the melodramatic, um, over-the-top, you know, just neurotic person in the main four, the main one. Um, but except for, yeah, when you get him in with his family, he is the guy you relate to. Because you can't relate to Frank and Estelle. No, no, <laughs> You've got to relate to gone. him. They're so gone. <laughs> so I do want to call out there is some good editing here. Quick editing. This entire episode is very fast, but particularly this like little kind of set of scenes where they're going out talking about the marble rye and they're kind of going back and forth between the Rosses and the Costanzas, Ross Costanzas. Oh, we forgot to bring it up. Oh, you know, no, we didn't set it out. They took it. They took it. Yeah, I brought it back. Like it's- that kind of shit. It's like there's a full conversation going on in two different sections, but I, mm-hmm. I wrote that down as well. I love the intercutting editing of this scene, and I knew you were going to call that out as yep. an editor. I knew you probably yep. dug that. Yep. At Monk's, George wants to get another marble rye and sneak it in. Basically, I think to make his family look a little less awful. That's Yeah, because well, yeah, he was like, now I'm going to have to keep them apart forever. Because even Jerry's like, did they know? He's like, the Rosses sense something's uh, like a foot, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. So Jerry comes up with the idea to give them a handsome cab ride from Kramer since he is the one uh, borrowing it this week. And we cut to the apartment. Kramer's down and he's eating a bunch of beefarino, a big ass <laughs> can of beefarino. <laughs> beefarino fit for a king or queeno. Yeah. <laughs> is that what he says? It's the part of the song later. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're right. What are you singing? Uh, yeah, but they are. All right. They're starting to like kind of lock down this plan about what's going to happen. Elaine comes in. She's upset with Jerry about saying hot and heavy. Um, you know, of course, she thinks it's a bad thing. And now that she has no control of the relationship. Again, this reminded me of the whole no hand. I have no hand kind yeah. of thing in the relationship yeah. that we've heard before. And so. I love what Elaine says to Jerry when she's like, one of these days, something terrible is going to happen to you. It has to. And I love, and this is one, I say this all the time, mm-hmm. and it's from this episode. No, I'll be just fine. I <laughs> love that. He immediately shoots her down, and he knows he'll be just fine. Yeah, but she is. Even Steven. Yep. I just want to call out that another thing that Myra loved was when George was like, oh, is Rusty downstairs? Let me go see Rusty. And he turns oh, around no. to Elaine. He's like, you want to go see Rusty? And she just slams the door right <laughs> yep. in his face. Uh, I mean, Myra loves strong Elaine. She doesn't love yes. it like we do. She doesn't love it when Elaine is like not on top like that. 
But when Lane is like that, she fucking loves it. But she, uh, by the way, Myra watched all of Veep with me. So she's, of everything with Seinfeld, she's very much a Julia Louise Dreyfus fan. Nice. Very yeah. cool. So she likes now, seeing her kind of do stuff like that. And those are little things that I haven't really mentioned that do actually heighten this episode. You know, like that is a great little scene of just shutting the door right in George's face. Cause actually I was, uh, Keisha was right by me and she actually chuckled like out audibly <laughs> yeah, at that yeah. spot too. I mean, it's, it's a, a great, good, it's a good scene. Yeah, it really is. So at the Rosses, George gets there and you know, he's, uh, you know, getting them there ready for their handsome cab ride. Kramer feeds Beefarino to the horse, mm. uh, you know, so it gets its strength because he's Kramer and he actually doesn't know how to care for a fucking horse. Nope. And, you know, George is all, you know, worried about Kramer being late, that kind of stuff. And then I do like his little, you know, internal monologue. He's all freaked out, freaked out. And then we get the clip clock and he's like, ah, right on time as usual. He's just <laughs> yeah. playing it cool. Playing it cool, exactly. But we know, no, we know as the audience how yeah. freaked out he is. So it's yeah. fun. And, it, and it's great. Kramer's on time. I was like, hey, good job, Kramer. Yep. Uh, Jerry goes to pick up the marble rye. So and is this the same bakery as the sorry episode? Sorry. Is the yes, same it bakery? is. Yeah, okay. the, uh, the the party or whatever it was called or something. Yeah. I can't remember exactly. Um, yes, it is because I made sure that the woman at the bakery was the same actress, and it is. Okay. I, I, so she unless looked familiar, and yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it looked the same. I mean, unless she got fired same. for coughing on <laughs> other stuff before, um, it went to somewhere pos- else. <laughs> it went to somewhere else. Then it is exactly the same as the cinnamon and chocolate babka and the black and white cookie, which I would think Jerry wouldn't be as intrigued into going into that bakery anymore since that black and white cookie made him sick. Yeah. Um, but he's not eating this marble rice e- for someone else. Yeah, he's not eating it. So what does he care? Yep. But this old lady. Got the last marbled rye, and that old lady, Mabel, is her character's name, is played by Frances Bay, who I remember most as the grandma on Happy Gilmore. That's me too, buddy. Yeah. Me too. I love Happy Gilmore. I love Billy Madison. I love that era of mm. Adam Sandler comedies. And Ben Stiller uh, was in uh, Happy Gilmore. Remember, he was mm-hmm. the head nurse or whatever. Yes, at the exactly. Fucking, yeah. <laughs> God, I love Happy Gilmore. Great yeah. movie. And she's awesome. Uh, unfortunately, she, she passed away in 2011. Yep. yep, yep, yep. But she was 92, so she had a good run, hey, as Zach would damn say. Damn straight she did. Damn straight. <laughs> yeah. So Jerry tries to plead for the rye, and she is just not having it. No. All right. No. She's Chris, like, fuck you, kid. <laughs> fuck you. Kramer takes out the Rosses, and things are going fantastic at first. You know, Kramer's actually pretty charismatic, charismatic when he needs to be. Um, Jerry, we see offering, again, a lot of quick cuts back and forth of stuff for this episode. Um, Jerry offers 50 bucks for the rye, and then she turns him down. Fuck it. He mugs her. Shut up, your old bag. <laughs> Shut up, your old bag. I mean, this is... We've talked about trailer moments or highlight video moments. If this this one is 1,000% in, like, the, the final highlights because this is a classic moment, seeing Shut Up, Your Old Bag and him stealing from this nice... Well, not particularly nice, but this, you know, helpless old lady. And we've talked about it before, but this would not have worked earlier in this show because yeah. we didn't have six years, six and a half years of knowing that Jerry is harmless, you know? Yes, <laughs> you're right. His his complete lack of confrontation in other episodes make him being aggressive so fucking funny. Yeah, exactly. And then his run is just amazing. <laughs> Yeah, well, we know he's a fast runner. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we did. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. 
the BFOP Network has partnered with 80stees.com to uh, give you guys a fantastic deal. If you go to 80stees.com and use our code BFOP, that's B-F-O-P, you will get 30% off your entire order. I've got a shirt that's come in. It is fantastic. They have got tons of different merch options for any kind of 80s thing that you love. I can guarantee you're going to find it on 80stees.com. Their shirts are awesome quality. The one i am got on right now is fantastic and soft. Fits perfect. So make sure you go to 80stees.com and use the code BFOP. That's B-F-O-P for 30% off your order. All right, Elaine tries to deny the whole hot and heavy stuff, but we uh, to to John Germain is she's talking to him in the jazz club, and he uh, he liked it though, yeah. and he lets her know that he's finally able to um, add a new number to his repertoire, if you will. Do you, do you, now do you so do you think he's never? I'm sure he has at some point, but no, he I don't think really it, go- I think it's never. Okay, so so he's like you're the first lady that I'm gonna choose, like I'm gonna go down on. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Oh, I almost caught it. There's a fly flying I see, around. A little I mad see Adam trying to get it. Great. He's not grabbing at the screen. I know. <laughs> You're not Mr. Miyagi with the chopsticks, no. buddy. <laughs> no. And probably the dulled senses from the whiskey isn't helping my speed. No, no, no. Well, so. no. all right. So that's going to happen. Uh, during the handsome cab ride, another just classic Seinfeld moment. Yeah. Where Rusty is apparently unleashing some atrocious farts and i have to say i love that the director and the sound guy and the editor whoever did not add the fart sounds oh you i didn't even think about it but you're a hundred percent correct that makes it so much funnier because we are reliant completely on their reactions and their reactions are gold yep yeah 100 percent. i mean because it would have lowered just, just it, it would have taken the comedy to a lower level to yep. that, you know, slapsticky, haha, yep. fart and dick shit humor that is just Seinfeld's is better than. Yes. Yeah. No, you're 100 percent correct. That That is. A, now, sometimes a, it's not. But most of the time it is. Yeah. yeah. Great. Great observation, by the way. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But <laughs> I love the Rosses. They need to get off. They can't breathe. <laughs> I mean, they're getting blasted like the the horse's butt is right there and then you know it's, it's just a perfect way to like with kramer going rusty rusty and I, then exactly yeah i want to know if anybody has fed a horse beefarino after this and how it actually uh you know uh, who's gonna who's gonna know how the intergastro uh you know things of the equine <laughs> yeah whatever but. no that was a good by the way that was a great line but yeah our and I'm an idiot. I don't know anything about horses considering listen to our pony episode. I thought a pony was just a baby horse. It's a whole different thing. Yeah. I didn't think that they eat meat. I thought that they were like a grain type of they animal. Are. Yeah, they they are, uh, you know, vegetarian animals. I, I but, feel bad for that horse. That's yeah, all. but like it doesn't mean if, if, a, if a human puts beefarino in yeah, front of the it, horse, yeah. it's going to eat it. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah. So, all right. But as just as Jerry gets there with the bread – the Rosses and Rusty and them have co- are coming back. So George, who was waiting for the spread to run it upstairs, now can't. He's stuck. And so Jerry kind of has to go and hide. Yeah, and he hides behind a car. It's like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to the jazz club. And there's apparently like this big music exec waiting for John Germain. Uh, you know, there's he's just, you know, going to be some big thing, you know, for his career to listen to him. 
Yeah, and uh, that music exec's name is Steve Ireland, and you see him as Rachel's boss on Friends, like eh, season three-ish or okay. four. Whenever she works, like she's not a. Whenever she stops being a, a waitress at the, waitress, you know, yeah. yeah, and gets her new job. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. And so, real quick, real quick, with the Rosses, when they get back to the house and everything, and they're like telling George assholes. To- why are they telling George to come upstairs? Like, you're not my dad, you know? Like, when he, you know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. They rush out and like, oh, come upstairs, George. And like, George is out there standing talking to Kramer. Of course, they know it's his friend. And they're like, yeah. come on, George. And they yeah. like rush him. It's like, what the fuck? Just shut I, the door on George and, and let him, whatever. Yeah, just, yeah, shut the door. Don't lock it. Just shut it and he'll be up in a minute, I guess. You know, yeah. it's just like, I was like, whoa, no, no, Rosses. You don't, you don't own me like that. Yeah. I'm not your fucking kid. Yeah, that was strange. I agree. Uh, so, uh, at the at the jazz club club with this exec, uh, Elaine and John Germain get back, and we find out he was apparently terrible. Um, you know, at the yeah, whatever downstairs. Did tango, like, downstairs t- tango. T- yeah. The tongue tango. Yeah, there we go. The downstairs yeah. tongue tango. And and you know what? In Elaine's defense, she doesn't seem that bothered by it. She's no. like, it's okay. Just don't try that hard next time. Like, I think I think if things didn't go this way, I think she would have been fine, like kind of teaching him like to, what exa- to do. Well, when when you're that when you're an attractive guy and you're very talented at, at uh, you know, something like he is at saxophone. Women are willing to make the concessions, of course. Yeah, of course. They're like, I can mold him. I mean, yes. look at that head of hair. I can mold that, yeah. you know? So, uh, George wants Jerry to throw up the rye, but he can't get it high enough. They keep trying. I'm like, that rye is getting all over, like, the, the I, shitty ground. And it's stuff. not even in the, the, the bag the pack, anymore, yeah. you know? <laughs> it's and, and there's snow on the ground. And real quick, side note, uh, in the behind the scenes, so they filmed this on Paramount, and, and Jerry... Uh, Seinfeld, the actor that they were talking to, he was like, for us, that was a big deal because this is where movies are made, not Mm -hmm. TV shows, you know? So they felt like it was a big deal. Uh, The snow thing was like, again, like a very expensive thing for them to do. And Jerry and everyone were just talking about like, they're like, oh my God, like we're on a movie set. This is like some movie shit. But apparently, uh, I think around midnight, everyone kind of came, became a little punchy, a little tired. And Jerry started a snowball fight uh, for about 20 minutes. It kind of got people back in the groove of things and they were finished, mm-hmm. they finished doing all the shoots. But it is sort of jokingly referred to as one of the most expensive sm- snowball fights in history because of the time, you know, because yeah. of all the money that everyone, you know what I mean? You know, all the money that goes into mm-hmm. it to make the snow. And everyone's like, and even the director was like, I still think it, or the producer was like, I still think it might be one of the most expensive snowball <laughs> fights of all time, essentially. Because everyone was on the clock, you know? Yeah, of course. Yep, yeah. As they should be. Yeah. But it does lend itself. This, And it's funny because now we watch stuff like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and I feel like we see the Paramount lot a lot because of shows yeah. like that. But back then... This was kind of a big deal to have Seinfeld on that backstage because it was for a long time, mostly just for movies. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Yeah. So when the throwing up of the rye doesn't work, George thinks of something else. He goes and gets a fishing pole. Um, I'm kind of surprised that the Rosses have a fishing pole. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Seem yeah. Like it. Well, he does have a cabin. So, yeah, maybe. Sure. But you'd think he would keep it in the cabin. But whatever, whatever, whatever. He's got a fishing pole. And so he uh, pulls up the rye on the fishing pole. Just as he gets it through, he's kind of holding it like a fish, uh, you know, with the line. And we see the Rosses and Susan there just looking at him. And he's like, God damn, George, you idiot. (laughs) God damn. 
<laughs> he almost he was uh, almost there. He almost had it. <laughs> almost had it. And then we get a tag of John Germain playing, but his tongue is all worn out. <laughs> and he is playing terribly, of course, in front of this big music exec that he wanted to impress. And we know it's worn out from doing all that other stuff. And, and Honestly, this is a great joke for adults. And I think you know you appreciate it more when I'm when you're younger. You don't get it as much. It's just I, like okay, I didn't get it when I was a kid. So yep, yep I totally yep. get it now. And so did Myra. And she was like, "Yep, that's that's okay. funny right there." Especially as exactly. Elaine just sort of exits stage left, slinks, just away. slinks away. Exactly. <laughs> now this is you know what she could have worked with him before, but now that he can't play and he's kind of maybe ruined his career, eh, slinking eh. away. Yep. I like the stinger a lot. (laughs) Yeah, this is a very, I agree, solid stinger. Uh, I would like to hear from Corey first. How about that? I was going to say, you should save me for next episode, buddy. But uh... Oh, oh, no, no, well, then fine, we'll do that. I'll go first this time, and you will go first, because I know you've got a lot. You've already warned us about it, and so if you guys want to hear him on the next one, you got to be a patron. Yeah, guys Uh, guys and gals, uh, just so you know, next episode's going to be the sleaziest one yet, and I'm going to let the expletives fly. God, you're a terrible person. But all right, my thoughts on the Rye. This is a fan fucking tastic episode. It was packed tight, super tight, with a bunch of shit happening, and everything moved very fast. I, uh, I, I thought the editing, as fast as it was, and we've complained about it before. I thought it worked well in this episode, and it wasn't just that one scene. It was across the board. Agreed. It worked really well. Um, the only thing I'll kind of dock it for, uh, which is really kind of just a little is I wish there was some better overlap between Elaine's storylines and the other ones. Kramer interweaved well with kind of overbuying he, him overbuying food led to feeding the horse because he needed to get rid of the beefarino, which led to the, you know, the Rosses coming back early, which led to George getting caught. The interweave with Hot and Heavy was only because Jerry said it to this other random guy who I I didn't dislike his character, but he didn't show up in any other times. Hell, I don't even think I saw him playing with John Germain. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, you just made me choke. I was going to say the same thing. I I don't even think we saw him in the background uh, with John Germain playing. Yeah, I wish you saw that. And I think it would have been better if, like, there was a double date and, you know, Elaine went to the bathroom and Jerry said, oh, you guys are getting hot and heavy, right? I, I needed some better interaction to flow with that um, and it, or just some other kind of thing that would have tied better. Um, but overall, that's not the hugest thing. But um, the no stand-up thing was a tiny-ass little dock as well. I imagine it had to be for time because yeah. everything was so fucking quick in this episode yeah. and they had to push it. But I thought this was a hell of an episode. I gave it 4.5 out of 5 Fartin' Rusties. Fartin' Rusties. <laughs> woo! <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I really don't have anything different to add to it. This was one of my favorite episodes as a kid. And this is one of my favorite episodes now. But it's even better because I feel like I understand the jokes more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am with you. I think uh, Elaine's storyline was 
fine. I didn't like, or I didn't dislike what Lane was doing, but mm. I agree. It didn't feel connected yeah. at all to the main storyline. And of course people are going to have their own stuff going on in life, but we watch the show because we want to see everyone interact and how everything sort of comes together. That, you that's know? when Seinfeld's at its best is yeah. when this, um, this causes that. And then this, that yep. causes this other thing. And then and it affects all four of them like at the same time. Exactly. Exactly. And especially if, when it builds up to a crescendo, when they're all together and here unfortunately Lane wasn't with them at the end um but you know that's I'm gonna dock it a little bit for that uh but the funny thing is I'm now gonna add points to it because I understand things better now and everything and through our discussion and boy oh boy oh boy oh boy I am giving this five tired Whoa. mouths out of five yeah, that's uh, and and that's you know what the, t- the tongue was definitely a little tired. It was, and you know what? I think what brought it back up was I think mm. I really liked that stinger at the end of all the okay. freaking stingers. You know that was of uh, we've seen so far. It was one of the better ones, and it actually had a point to the story, oh, yeah. and it kind of concludes the story. So you're right, it it enhanced all of that kind of stuff that we had before. I mean, it, that was the punchline yes. to me. Yes. The, all of like all of the Elaine stuff was okay, and then the punchline was oh shit. Uh, he now did the whole, you know, downstairs tongue tango, and it ruined his career. And yeah. that, that is it. That's the shit. Elaine's vagina ruined his career, and that's pretty fucking hilarious, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then, of course, on top of it all is the the old lady and Jerry mugging oh, the old yeah. lady is the icing on the fucking cake for this Your episode. old bag. Your old bag. Your old bag. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, good shit, bro. Good shit. So, yeah, next yeah. episode, guys and gals, uh, it's going to be on the Patreon feed, and I am going to go You're hyping this one up, man. Bro, it's one of my favorite favorite pieces of non-porn out there. Oh, so. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> and I I have to see you on Zoom for this. I'm going to see, like, your chub. You're going to get, yep. like, full chub on <laughs> oh here. Oh, my God. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to get disgusted. Sue but we'll Ellen save that for, <laughs> for the next episode. But, um, yeah, until, until then. <laughs> I, I don't even uh, know what to say. Let's just bring it back to, you know what? If you want to hear more of Sleazy C and some of the creepy shit and him yeah. skis on ladies, you should definitely listen to Podcasting After Dark. That is a show that Corey, my man, <laughs> um, skis is like like he, like it's out of not good. It's like it's going out of style. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, especially uh, the Shivers episode. Check that shit uh, out if you want. Probably our sleaziest episode. This one's sleazier than Life Force. Okay. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, man. But you know who's not sleazy? You, you guys are some, you're sometimes sleazy on, on the blast from our past. We got, oh, a, little, yeah. we did, we got a little sleaze dude. in there. <laughs> yeah, we did our crushes. We did our top yeah. 10 breasts episode. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I haven't even done that on pad. So yeah. go check out Blast from Our Past for some, you know, maybe some PG 13 level sleaze. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So. And then check out all the other podcasts on the BFOP network Talking Back, Action Action. People don't forget and uh, throwback trivia takedown. We have a great time over there, and of course, check out Curb Your Enthusiasm on our Patreon page. Nothing but fun, nostalgic podcasting going all around the Beef Up Next Network right now. Woo! Beef Up! All right, next week, Sue Ellen Mishki. Woohoo! God dang. Keep in your pants. I can't. <laughs> <laughs>
Hello everybody, I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. Everybody, it's your two favorite podcast hosts, Adam and Corey from Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast, and we have something very exciting to tell you about. That's right. We have decided to take on not just Seinfeld, but also Curb Your Enthusiasm, exclusive to our Patreon feed. So that means every single month we go episode by episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. And the fun thing is, I've never seen Curb Your Enthusiasm before, so I am super excited to go down this road with you, Adam. But even better, when you join at the Curb Your Enthusiasm tier, you also unlock the complete back catalog of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast, totally ad-free. So you get Seinfeld, you get Curb, and you get Adam and Corey. What else could you want? I don't know, maybe to dip my bald head in oil and rub it all over your body? Uh, I'm sorry, Corey, that's another tier. We're not ready for that yet. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. All right, well, now back to Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. 